بسم اللہ الرحمن الرحیم نحمده ونصلی علی رسوله الکریم اما بعد الحمدللہ tonight is the 16th of june in the year 2023 and alhamdulillah we moved on to the 54th night that we're going through the exalted and dear life of the eminent companion sayyidina abdullah ibn mas'ud radiyallahu so to mention another report with regards to the virtues of the fast approaching 10 glorious first days of Zulhijjah. I mentioned yesterday that the authentic report mentions no deed is more sublime and rewardable than the deeds done in the 10 days. But exactly how much? So there's a report. The hadith is in Tabarani in his Kabir 10-246, Behaki in his Sunan Al-Kubra 4-284, Hafiz Dibyati in his Al-Majjal Al-Rabi Fi Thawab Al-Amal Al-Salih The Reward for Good Deeds Number 862 Our beloved messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam He said A good deed in these days Is multiplied 700 times A good deed in these days Is multiplied 700 times So there's one report direct From the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam But in another report it mentions This is in Behaki in his Sunan Al-Kubra, Asbahani, Targhib number 886. And Hafiz Dimyati in his Al-Majjar Al-Rabi Fi Thawab Al-Amal Al-Salih, The Reward for Good Deeds number 864. Sayyidina Anas, radiyallahu, he said, In the days of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, it was generally thought that each of these ten days were equal to a thousand days. Whilst the day of Arafat was like ten thousand days in its excellence. So according to this report, the report increases, uh, the reward increases more than a thousand times. So to reconcile, one's good deeds multiply either 700 to a thousand times during the first eight days of Zulhijjah. And then a mind-boggling 10,000 times during the ninth, the day of Arafat. And only Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows what rewards would be one reach on the greatest of all the days the day of Eid i.e. the 10th so like I mentioned again and again who but an insane person would let these glorious days pass without making any effort and they're almost upon us we'll find out inshallah this year on Sunday night so the great Ibn Masood I'll be mentioning the reports where he's encouraging one and all to acquire the sacred knowledge. It would then come as no surprise to learn that Sayyidina Abdullah ibn Mas'ud radiyallahu he would often praise gatherings of sacred knowledge. For instance, he said, the best of all gatherings is the one in which matters of wisdom are discussed. The best of all gatherings is the one in which matters of wisdom are discussed. This is in Tabarani, Al-Haytami in Majma Az-Zawaid, volume 1, page 167, stated Sahih, Hayat al-Sahaba, volume 4, page 729 of the New English Translation. So, how many different gatherings do people attend? It could be just a social gathering, uh, a place to wind down, etc., etc. 
But what are the best of all gatherings? Ibn Masood said the best of all gatherings is the one in which wisdom is discussed. So look how he's encouraging you to learn. In a similar report, Ibn Masood said, the best of all gatherings is the one in which matters of wisdom are disseminated and those in which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's mercy is anticipated. It's recorded by Hafiz ibn Abdul Bar Rahmatullahi in his Jami Bayan al Ilm, volume 1, page 50, Ayat al Sahaba, volume 4, page 729 of the New English Translation. So he explained why are they the best of all gatherings, i.e., the gatherings where wisdom are discussed? Because you're hoping at any moment for the mercy of Allah Ta'ala to descend upon you. And it's true. Sometimes you experience this as well. A special sakina comes down. Those those who would love to be regularly exposed to the truly priceless divine mercy should then attend the gatherings where the sacred knowledge is being disseminated. Now think about that. Which Muslim, if you ask him, brother, would you or sister, would you like the divine mercy? Everybody would say yes, whether he's a saint or whether he's a sinner. Why do you ask that? You say, well, where do you find the divine mercy? The most excellent place to find it is where sacred knowledge is being shared. Think about that, right? We're anticipating that. And this is why the masjids in particular are extremely blessed. Indeed, this heavenly man, the Allah, would exhort others by saying to them, Ijlisu binazdad imana. Sit with us and increase in iman. Subhanallah. This is in Behaki in Shu'ab al-Iman 1-70. So look what he said. The great Ibn Mas'ud Ijlisu bina nazdad imana. Sit with us. Increase in iman. So how do you increase in iman? He's telling you. Sit with where the knowledge is being disseminated. Because your iman will increase. Clarifying further. The great Ibn Mas'ud He said. Al-Muttaquna Sadata. The people of Taqwa are chiefs. Wal-Fuqaha'u Qadata. The jurists are leaders. Wa-Majalisuhum Ziyadata. And attending their gatherings are a means of increase. I in Iman and knowledge. This is recorded in Tabarani in his Kabir, number 8,553. Al-Hetabi in Majma Az-Zawaid, number 3,154 of volume 1, page 126, stated Hassan. Hafiz ibn Qayyim in his Al-Fawaid, 4-145. Hayat al-Sahaba, volume 4, page 729-730 of the New English Translation. So in this authentic report in Tabarani, Ibn Masood said three things. Al-Muttaquna Sadata The people of Taqwa are chiefs So why are the people of Taqwa chiefs? Because guidance is with them Wattaqullah wa yu'allibukumullah Which I mentioned yesterday Allah Ta'ala will teach those So they have to be chiefs Then he said Wal-Fuqaha'u Qadata The jurists are leaders What's the difference? The people of Taqwa are chiefs Why? Because if you're taught by Allah Subhanahu wa ta'ala Nobody is better than you the fuqaha are leaders. Notice he didn't put them on the same par as the people of taqwa. But nevertheless, they are leaders, the people of deep insight. But then, what's relevant to us? Attending their gatherings, the people of taqwa 
and the fuqaha attending their gatherings is a means of increase ziyada so what does that mean it means two things it means an increase in iman if you sit with the people of taqwa and the people of knowledge your iman will increase and of course your knowledge so what do you notice he was always encouraging he was saying look you know you need to strengthen your iman you need to freshen your iman you need to beautify your iman what better place than to sit in the gatherings of sacred knowledge subhanallah and he's just echoing the words of the ancients luqman alayhi salatu wasalam the hadith is in imam malik's muwatta and he said to his son he is oh my son make it compulsory on yourself to sit with the people of knowledge for just as allah the almighty gives life to a dead land with the rain he gives life to a dead heart with knowledge <laughs> so look how beautiful luqman al hakim the wise right the physician who allah taala bless with immense knowledge what who would you give your greatest nasiya to your son <laughs> He told his son, "He says, make it compulsory. Meaning, it's not compulsory, but make it, treat it like it's a fardh. That you sit with the people of knowledge." Then he explained, "Look how beautifully he explained the vivid image he gave." He goes, "When rain comes to a dead land, what do you see? Especially in the desert, you know, you're going past the valley and it's completely dead. Come back next minute, where's this meadow come from? The rain has caused life." He goes, "Just as rain gives life to a dead land." knowledge gives life to a dead heart so it's the same thing it's just the same principle in other words iman is strengthened with knowledge you know subhanallah unfortunately shaitan plays games because you've learned enough now and then what is he really telling you that's like saying your iman you have to leave your iman let it, let it go to waste astaghfirullah so note he truly did encourage us to acquire the sacred knowledge another subsection entitled which is a question from whom should one acquire the sacred knowledge is very important mm. you can acquire knowledge a myriad of ways mm. you can learn it from the ulama you can learn it from the people that you trust you can learn it now even from the internet mm. right so there's so many ways but what what did ibn mas'ud say he says something very important here radiyallahu so the great ibn mas'ud radiyallahu said Whoever wishes to follow the sunnah let him follow the sunnah of those who have died from the companions of Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam because from the entire ummah of Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam their hearts were the most pure their knowledge was the deepest they are the least pretentious they are the most unswerving in example and their condition is best mm-hmm. verily allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has selected them to be the companions of rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam and to establish the deen i which as you have seen they have so admirably done you should therefore be aware of their superiority and follow in their footsteps for verily they were upon the straight path subhanallah <laughs> So let's look at this. So where is this recorded? So this is recorded in Razin. Hafiz ibn Abd al-Barr rahmatullahi alayhi in his Jami Bayan al-Ilm number 1810 of volume 2 page 
Ayat al-Sahab, volume 4, page 796 of the New English Translation. Similar is related by Abdullah ibn Umar, referred to Abu Na'im al-Hilya, Hayat al-Sahab, volume 1, page 95 of the New English Translation. So let's look at this. So Ibn Mas'ud, he said, if you want to follow the sunnah, follow the sunnah of those who have died from the companions. So he didn't say all of the sahaba, even though they're all guides. Because those who have died. So which companions had already passed away before Ibn Mas'ud? So he's talking about the senior sahaba, Abu Bakr, Umar, and then some other, you know, Abu Ubaidah, you know, some of the more senior companions, he goes, follow them. Then he told you, he didn't just say follow them, he's, he's giving you the reason for this. He goes, their hearts from the entire ummah were the purest. Mm. Now, how did he know that? I'm going to come to that. He can't know that. You know, he must know something from the Prophet because their hearts were the purest. Number two, their knowledge was the deepest. Number three, they are the least pretentious. In other words, they're the most humble, even though they're so, you know, they deserve all the veneration. They're the furthest from it. Mm. Number four, they are the most unswerving in example because they will not move from the path. And their condition is the best. Then he said, Allah Ta'ala selected them to be the companions of his Prophet to establish the deen. When he was uttering these words, had Islam now been settled in the world? Yes. Islam has spread and even today the unbelievers can't explain the expansion, how quickly Islam spread. And the answer is the Sahaba. He flew cakes. Right? You know, why do you think it spread? Through bows and arrows. You know, the Romans had the military, the Persians. That's why they can't get their head around it. Because they don't know who these people are. They go, numbers against them. How did they do it? Because these were the ones selected. Who selected them? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Then he said, you should be aware of their superiority. There's the tragedy. I'll be aware of their superiority. So the proof, you know, without putting you on the spot. Shouldn't every Muslim know the top 10 promised paradise? How many know the top 10? Mm. Forget about, you know, laymen, even some scholars. Well, you got me this when I studied. Well, you learn stuff for Allah. You should be aware of their superiority, follow in their footsteps, meaning their lives have been, you know, so detailed so you can follow them. They were on the straight path. So now, note that Ibn Mas'ud highlighted all the essential traits of the ones who you should follow. Mm. This is the report about the heart. Abdullah ibn Mas'ud radiyallahu he said, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he looked into the hearts of the creatures and he found the heart of Muhammad sallallahu to be the best heart of all the creatures. Thus he selected him for himself and sent him with his message. Then he subhanahu wa ta'ala looked into the hearts of the creatures after the heart of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa and his noble brothers and he found the hearts of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa companions to be the best of all creatures. Thus he subhanahu wa ta'ala made the ministers of his prophet sallallahu alayhi wa and those who would fight in defense of his religion. So this is the report. Now the references.
In Ahmed in his Musnad, number 3,599, 3,600, Sahih. Tabarani in his Kabir, number 8,582, 8,593. Tabarani in his Osad, number 3,602. Hakim in his Mustadrak, number 4,465, Sahih. Zahabi, Sahih. Abu Dawood at Tayalasi in his Musnad, number 246, or 1-33. Behaki in his Al-I'tiqad, page 208. Bazaar in his Musnad number 1816 or 5-212 to 213. Abu Nu'aym al-Hilya 1-135. Hafiz Bakhubi in his Sharh al-Sunnah number 105. Hafiz al-Khatib in his al-Faqi number 445 or 1-167 to 8. Hafiz al-Ajudi rahmatullah alayhi in his al-Shari'ah number 1144 or 4-1675 to 6. Hafiz al Ajluni Rahmatullah in his Kashaf al Khifad number 2214 Hassan Al Haytami in Majma al Zawaid 1 177 to 178 Hassan Sheikh Al Bani Rahmatullah stated Hassan in his Ad Da'ifa number 533 as did Sheikh Muqbil Rahmatullah in his Jami as Sahih volume 4 page 8 to 9. So this is a, either a Sahih hadith or a Hassan hadith, meaning it's, it's, it's almost flawless, if not flawless. And it's not from the Prophet. So what did he say, the great Ibn Mas'ud? Allah Ta'ala chose the most purest heart for his final message. Whose was the most purest heart? Rasulullah. So obviously we wouldn't, you know, bat an eyelid. Then he looked into the hearts of the creation after the heart of Rasulullah and of course all his brothers, alayhi salatu wasalam, whose hearts were the purest? Now think about that. Think who's telling you this. The one who's one of them. Notice he's like keeping himself away as if to give the impression he's talking about somebody else. He's talking about himself. He goes, Allah Ta'ala looked into the hearts. Now, question, were we there? Yes. So how pure was your heart? It wasn't good enough. So okay, we think, okay, 100% were we compared to the Sahab. So let's go up the ranks. Was uh, Imam Malik, Imam Shafi, Imam Ahmad's heart there? Tabat Abi. Was it good enough? Sorry. Okay, let's go up, further up. Was Saeed Ibn al-Masayyid, Imam Abu Hanifa, senior Tabin, junior Tabin, were their hearts good enough? Hassan al-Basri? No. Now think about what I'm telling you. Forget about Rahmatullah with all respect to the people Banga of the Rahmatullah is left, right and center. We don't even respect them. Who are they compared to the Sahaba? They weren't good enough. Sheikh Abdul Qadir Jalani's blessed heart wasn't pure enough. Think about that. Right? You know, name the saints. Imam Ghazali's heart wasn't pure enough. Then Ibn Mas'ud said, he chose the companions. Now, that's important to highlight. Why? Because if you read some books, you get the impression, oh, how lucky they were. That they were with the Prophet and they became his companions. What's the mistake that you're making? You're thinking it's by chance these people were there. Is it chance? Was it a chance that Abu Bakr was with the Prophet? No, Allah chose him. He had the purest heart. Was it chance that Umar was with the Prophet? No, Allah chose him. Khalid bin Walid, Allah chose him. Alas, etc, etc. They were chosen. We should think that. Then Ibn Masood said, why were they chosen? He then didn't know. He explained it further. He made the ministers of his prophet. 
he was the commander in chief who went about words of Allah who were his generals, governors, the Sahaba, who would fight in defense of his deen, who fought to spread the deen. <laughs> you know, think about it. Have you fought to spread the deen? Have you fought for my nafs? <coughs> right? So they were the ones that Allah chose. Why did he say that? Go back to the previous report. Whoever wishes to follow the sunnah, let him follow the sunnah of those who have died from the companions of Rasulullah. Why? Their hearts were the purest. He's explaining. Allah saw fit. If you're going to follow anybody, follow them. If you're going to do taklid, do it from them. People say, you can't do taklid. <laughs> now, I'll give you a statement. There's a saying now, and it's true. It's a good statement. There's the best of us and then there's the rest of us. So somebody goes, uh, who's the best of us? Sahaba. Who's the rest of us? The rest of us. Tabin, Taba Tabin, Ikram, Kutubs, Abdals. They're the rest of us. So who are the best of us? Do you know who they are? Okay, you must know the top 10. No, not top 10 charts. Right? There you go in it, mashallah, top 10. Who's number one now? He'll even tell you. Oh, he's thinking. God knows. Abdullah ibn Mas'ud, he once said in grief towards the end of his life, the cream of this world has passed on, leaving only waste. The cream of this world has passed on, leaving only behind waste. This is in Abu Nu'im al-Hidiyah, Hayat al-Sahaba, volume 5, page 385 of the New English Translation. Was he having a go at the junior Sahaba? No, he wasn't. What he was saying was, the best have gone. <laughs> now look how humble he was. Wasn't he one of the best? Of course he was. He's not one of the 10 promised paradise, definitely going to paradise. He's been promised paradise, but not the elite 10, but he's certainly one of the elite forerunners. So, he's counting himself not to be amongst them. Because the cream of the world has passed on. Now there's only waste. Meaning, you know, you don't even know who you're losing. To finish, who did he mention as a proof? Meaning the senior majestic companions, top of the list, the two venerable sheikhs of this ummah. What did Abdullah ibn Mas'ud say about them? Something amazing, he said, an integral part of the sunnah is to love Abu Bakr and Umar and to acknowledge their worth. An integral key part of the entire sunnah is to love Abu Bakr and Umar and to acknowledge their worth. This is recorded by Hafiz ibn Abdul Bar in his Jami Bayan al Ilm, volume 2, page 187. Ayat al-Sahaba, volume 4, page 797 of the New English Translation. So what did the great Ibn Masood say? People say, well, I, like to, I love the Sunnah. So you respond by saying, oh, you must have got the most, one of the most important parts of the Sunnah into your life. And he goes, what's that then, brother? Is it miswak? No. Is it topi? No. Leather socks? No. Because what's that, you know, key Sunnah? To love Abu Bakr and Umar. And he goes, oh, yes. I am finished. <laughs> and to acknowledge their worth. 
So you, anybody can say, you, know, you go to any Muslim, <laughs> you know about Qasadun. Tell me about them. <laughs> Acknowledge it. Oh, brother, don't you trust me? Oh, you don't know, dear brother. It's just hot air again. So Ibn Masood was saying to acknowledge their worth, you must know their status. You must know what they've done for the deen. You must know their rank and maqam with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You must realize how close they are to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa Why did he say that? That's very interesting. Who was he talking to? Sheikh Nawab Qutbuddin Khan Dehlabi rahmatullahi comments in his Mazari Ihaq, volume 1, page 226. In the last portion of Abdullah ibn Masood's life, some sects had begun to emerge. He therefore warned his students not to be deceived by these so-called religious sects. He commanded them to hold firmly to the path of the companions. Look at the context. I just quoted the reports. Who was he talking to? Why is he mentioning the Sahaba? If you're going to follow anybody, follow those who have died amongst the companions. What's the context? The context is the dogs are derived. The dogs and vultures, Rawafid, Khawarij. They're all saying, well upon guidance. So just turn to the man himself. What did he say? This heavenly man. He goes, follow the Sahaba. And in particular, Abu Bakr and Umar. And there you go. So look how fortunate we are that we are upon that. Imagine if you was a, you know, you grew up as a Rawafid. And suddenly you come across these texts. What the? What? Have you upon guidance? Mm. Imagine, you know, what you would have to do now. The Khawarij, what did they do? Astaghfirullah. So note, the question now is, who do we acquire our knowledge from? That's what I said, the subheading. Who did Ibn Masood say you should acquire your knowledge from? People of wisdom. The Sahaba. The Sahaba. The Sahaba. Right? The Sahaba. You don't even know anything about them, brother. Are you going through history again, brother? You. How many times people say that to me? Are you going through history again? Yeah. <laughs> what a stupid statement to make. You get your entire deen from these people and you're describing it as if it's like a history lesson at school. How am I supposed to get guidance if I don't know who these people are? Right, so note, you should be insatiable of your knowledge with regards to the companions. Why? Because every guidance comes from them. And what's amazing is, you taste it. You know, on the face of it, when you first think, okay, what's the... But when you actually go through their lives with, you know, with a fine tooth comb, as they say, you see it, because guidance is here. Allah the last preserved their lives in great detail through the most auspicious and purest references. So you will have no doubt about this. Subhanallah. Are there any questions? You like that? Subhanallah, we have this one. Allahumma, we have the question. Allah, 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 Allah,